Hi, Joel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Oh, man. I am... I've been looking forward to this since we talked about it. I'm I'm very excited for uh, the listeners to be able to hear from you. Um, so today we're talking with Dr. Joel Sanders. Dr. Joel Sanders is a doctor of chiropractic, and him and his wonderful wife own two locations of Health Source, one in West Columbia and one in Northeast Columbia. And also, a side note: I graduated with Joel. So this is a this is going to be a fun conversation. It's not going to be like all boring and stuff. It's going to be fun. We go way back, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. So I want to start out just by um, with you introducing yourself. Like, like who are you? I know I hit the highlights at the right. beginning, but just kind of tell your story of who you are, where you came from, and how you chose to be a chiropractor. I'll try to make this abbreviated because, uh, well, I, obviously, Dr. Joel Sanders, uh, I graduated from Barnwell High School, class 2005 with Becca, uh, Rebecca, sorry, we've always called you Becca. So, uh, You're good. But anyway, I, I met my beautiful wife at the University of South Carolina, and it's kind of funny how one person comes into your life and the course of your life changes uh, dr drastically. So I got my bachelor's degree at the University of South Carolina, and when Tatiana and I met, she told me that she was going to go be a chiropractor and she was going to move to Davenport, Iowa, uh, and go to Palmer College of Chiropractic. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I didn't know many female chiropractors at the time. Uh, and so anyway, graduation came, the moving trucks came, and she went to Iowa. And so again, trying to make a long story short, I ended up following her out there and chiropractic just became a passion of mine. Uh, I got involved with the university or, or Palmer College, I guess I should say. They were really good about including significant others and spouses. So I was always on campus. I was playing pickup basketball, uh, meeting a lot of guys. And it just became uh, obvious to me that what they were doing, they were very passionate about. And it was something that everybody uh, could benefit from. And so I, I kind of just got sucked in from there, honestly. Uh, like I said, I got, got my bachelor's degree at the University of South Carolina in 2010. And I graduated from Palmer College in 2015. I had to go back to school, take some prerequisites. Um, and it's really been a blessing ever, ever since. I'm so glad I made the decision to, to go back to school and to pursue it. So, so would you say that you had like a sciencey background before that? Honestly, Becca, I, I did not. Um, I, well, you know, I was studying business administration. Um, you know, I, I thought I was going to go work at the bank like my granddad did. And so, uh, again, you go through all this school and it's funny how you, the more you, the more you live, the more you kind of figure it out, I guess. And I, you know, I just thought, oh, business, uh, you could do whatever with that, right? And so I just kind of wanted to get a degree. Um, wanted to be the first person in my family to get a degree, and so uh, it, it was all about just graduating. Even though I really didn't know what I was passionate about, I guess. Um, so it was a little bit of uh, a learning curve when I went back to school, uh, taking some of the prerequisites. I had to take two chemistries, a biology, and a physics to be able to get accepted into school and I had to have a B or better in all of them. So uh, it kind of threw myself in the fire when it comes to the science side. But, but another thing I think what's cool is we, we all have a body, right? It was, it was super fascinating to learn about and how to take care of it and how the body's designed to, uh, to take care of itself. Really when, when we remove interference, uh, that's what chiropractic is all about is uh, restoring the body to being able to perform like it was designed to perform. So, and I can um, I can speak to 
just how good you and your team are because I ran the Chicago Marathon in 2019. And I will tell you, I was like so messed up leading, going up to, you know, leading into that. And there's no doubt in my mind, if it wasn't for you and the team that you have there, I would have never crossed the finish line. Like y'all really put me back together to be able to finish that marathon. And I mean, I will always be grateful for that. And for me, I've, I've always been one that has, you know, done chiropractic care. I've never thought twice about it. But one thing I noticed, especially during COVID, and I don't know how I came across this, but you know, a lot of times medical doctors would put um, question and answer, and there were people seeking alternatives to COVID stuff. Like they were, they were confused, they were looking. And I noticed there's like a big like beef between like medical doctors and doctors of chiropractic. Like, can you like speak to that as to why that is? Right. Yeah, I, I would love to actually. Um, it's something I enjoy talking about because I can tell you in the eight years, uh, this October, I'm starting my eighth year of practice. Uh, and it's changed dr dramatically in these eight years. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I think the opioid epidemic in our country and the COVID-19 pandemic globally uh, have really shifted a lot of medical doctors' perspectives. I think a lot of them recognize one, you know, opioids were not maybe what they were thought they were given to people. I think they recognized that there was some a lot of harm that came from it. And I'm not one of these chiropractors that sit here and say no, no drugs. Like there is always a time and a place. But I do think a lot of the medical doctors started to recognize, like, hey, maybe there is a portal of entry like chiropractic. Uh, and then when it comes to COVID, you know emergency rooms, doctor's offices are filled up with people that are sick and literally dying. Um, and so I give our the South Carolina Chiropractic Association a ton of credit. They lobbied hard for us to be essential because uh, the last thing you want is somebody with back spasms going to the emergency room when it's filled mm -hmm. with COVID patients. So uh, I guess I'm <laughs> a roundabout answering your question. It has changed a lot, but early on in chiropractic, they went, a lot of chiropractors went head to head with the medical community and they did not have the resources uh, or, quite frankly, the number of people who bought into chiropractic to try to battle the, uh, the American Medical Association, you know, in that day. So uh, from where it was, you know, 100 years ago to where it is now is literally light years. But where it was 10 years ago to where it is now, as far as how it's viewed in the, the medical community and just in the general public uh, as a whole, I think chiropractic has it's been leaps and bounds uh, over the past decade or so um, on how we've come to be viewed, I think. so. And I think for me, you know, like I said, I've, I've always done that care. So it's never to me been something that was questioned. Like, it just makes sense. Like if there's interference, if you remove the interference, your body's going to function. So what is some of the pushback that you're hearing from people who maybe don't want to do chiropractic care or maybe are hearing from their doctor, hey, that's not, because one thing I hear is it's not evidence-based, but right. it, like speak to that. What does that mean? Yeah. So first of all, my, my argument always to that is if chiropractic is not safe, let me tell you, insurance companies study data, right? Yeah. Uh, I pay peanuts on the dollar to what a medical doctor pays as far as malpractice insurance goes, mm -hmm. right? Um, it literally, uh, I, I might pay $300 a quarter, uh, wow. from 
And I guarantee you, a medical doctor paid probably three hundred a week. Yeah. You know, so, uh, just to show you, there's there's evidence in the numbers on how safe and effective it is. Uh, I guess I should really say how safe it is. Uh, and my thing is, what do you have to lose before you go under a knife or before you you know start taking a bunch of different medications? Why not try restoring your body's function naturally? And so I'd say some of the pushback is when chiropractors. And I'm not trying to throw chiropractor on the bus here either, but when they don't take x-ray, mm. uh, I tell all my patients, I look at x-ray to know not where to adjust you, but where not to. You know, if there's okay. structural compromise going on, then th there's certain areas we don't need to be messing with. There's certain areas we need to get you to an orthopedic immediately. Uh, and so I think that's where a lot of the pushback is, is a lot of the medical community does not, they're not ever educated on our standard of care and how, you know, how we do things, I think. And so that's where a lot of the pushback is, is they feel like we kind of shoot in the dark, just bring somebody in and start crack, cracking their back, mm -hmm. you know, um, versus taking a lot of pride in, in actually trying to diagnose, you know. So I think that's where the pushback is, is I think there's a, yeah, there's a, a, a lapse in education, uh, really probably from both sides, but that's where the medical community, I think, lacks and in, in the respect they give to chiropractic sometimes. So. Do you think that there's money behind not educating medical doctors on chiropractic care? I do. Um, again, I don't want to. I don't want to throw stones here because uh, I have great relationships with a lot of medical mm -hmm. doctor community here in Lexington, Columbia, West Columbia, um, and again, a lot of them have really come around on what we do. I, I do think the pharmaceutical industry drives a lot of putting blinders onto it. Like, this is what we do, you know? Um, and, you know, standard of care is a, is a big, a big term used in a lot of different medical professions. And that basically means what a, what a prudent doctor of your position would do in that situation. Um, and what I've come to find is a lot of them uphold the standard of care until it comes to their, their own family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I'd rather my, my son go see a chiropractor, then start taking opioids. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's there's definitely some some shades of gray in there, I guess, where there the blinders are on, I think, and, and there's there's obviously a lot of money involved in the pharmaceutical industry. And I'm again not here to uh, to, to beat a dead horse on it. People are coming to light to recognize like you can't just take a pill for everything. But um, there's also a time and a place, too, and, and we have to respect that as well. So. so do you believe there is a space for pharmaceutical care at some point? Absolutely. I absolutely do. Um, and you know, I think some things have become safer, but I've, I'm always going to be in the corner of <clears throat> if there's a supplement you can take, um, if there's exercises you can prescribe, like that needs to be ground zero. And you can always you can always go more invasive from there, like, you know, synthetic pharmaceutical drugs or, or surgery and things like that. There, there's always going to be a time and a place. And I think there's absolutely a, a need for it. I mean, you know, modern science and, and biochemistry and pharmacology has come such a long way. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stuff is absolutely life-saving. So there's absolutely a need for it. But uh, I guess my stance would be, if there's anything you can do before that, give it a shot, you know, yeah, no, I completely agree. And the fact that you talk about like the exercise, the supplements, the nutrition, um, and, and I don't think 
I don't think a lot of people realize just how important that was until COVID because right. when the data came out for people who were actually, you know, dying of, of COVID, not dying and then they were saying they had COVID, but like actually dying of COVID, it was because of, you know, they had diabetes, they were obese, you know, there wasn't a lot of movement. And so, but also at the same time, and correct me if I'm wrong, most medical professionals are not trained in that to recommend, you know, the, the movement and the exercise and the nutrition, which, you know, to me, I would think that would be number one, but that's not necessarily the case. So how much emphasis do you put on the importance of doing those things first? Right. Well, I'll put it like this, you know, obviously the virus is going to mutate. It's going to change, but originally the virus was really the constant. The mm. virus was what it was. The real variable in the equation was the individual, the host, right? Uh, it depended on what, you know, how well you're taking care of yourself, what underlying uh, comorbid factors you had, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that, that to me was something we preached to patients was look, the virus kind of is what it is. The real variable is how you've taken care of yourself and what you can do from right now on to more equip your body to, to be ready to fight, to, to boost your immune system. Um, you know, I, I have asthma. Uh, it concerned me when COVID came out. I was like, people aren't breathing and I already mm -hmm. have. With it. So, you know, for me, it came down to trying to do a little more cardio, trying to just uh, get winded from time to time, just to try to break it all up, you know? And so uh, that that's my take on it. I think, uh, yeah, again, uh, we were the variable and, you know, what you had going on as the host was what, ultimately led to the formula that COVID, uh, you know, created and, you know, and how sick you were, I think. So again, there are certain situations where people had comorbid factors and obviously it's an unfortunate time all the way around for, uh, you know, what all, what all went on in our country. But, um, that that's been like our, our preaching point from day one is like, we got to do what we can do to make us stronger independently of anything else. So. Do you think society as a whole cares about and I know, I know when I say cares about their health, like, I feel like it, yeah, they, they do, but do they really, do you think society as a whole puts their health as a priority? So I'm with you. I, I do think people like to say they are, um, they're conscious of it and they try to, to put their best foot forward with it. And look, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, Guilty as they come, you know, I think a big issue is convenience a lot of times, um, you know, not prepping meals or not, you know, going to the store and, and getting the right fruits and vegetables. But, you know, it's easy to hit the drive through over lunch or easy to get a biscuit on the way to work um, versus sit there and make a smoothie. And I'm not saying you have to do that, but uh, I think as a whole, the convenience is always kind of the issue with this mm -hmm. uh, in there. So. So what advice do you give to your clients? If you tell them, hey, you know, you, especially if it's someone who's in more like a maintenance um, care, not someone that necessarily has a major injury, but someone that you're just, you're just maintaining their health. What right. is, what is the advice that you're giving them? Um, so when it comes to that, a lot of times where we turn, you know, I tell patients all the time that pain, a lot of times is the motivator. It brings people in our door. Uh, but pain is not what's wrong, 
there's something wrong that's causing pain. And ultimately, inflammation is pain. Um, so whether it comes down to dysfunction of a joint um, that leads to inflammation and enough inflammation, the body sounds the alarms like, hey, this hurts now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we got to do something about it. And so when it comes to the maintenance side of what we do, and I'm glad you said this because I think it's the most underlooked aspect of chiropractic care is the wellness maintenance side. Um, but we always preach to look for dysfunction versus pain. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not moving as well here. Something's catchy. I don't have as much range of motion. I can't turn and look. It doesn't hurt, but you recognize there's a, 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 a decreased function and you let that go is going to lead to pain eventually so when it comes to just the wellness side is yeah function not wait on it to hurt but wait on there to be dysfunction that's when you want to get back in here and continue to maintain performing and moving well um and then real quick from a nutritional standpoint there are a couple things that you know we come to find like almost everybody is deficient in um, a good fish oil omega-3 uh, vitamin d especially this time of year days are getting shorter we're not outside with our shirts off or in bathing suits, uh, so we're not getting the sunlight to get the vitamin D we need. Um, and then a good probiotic, because a lot of inflammation is going to come from the gut. And so um, if you can maintain good gut flora and good gut health, then a lot of times the rest of the inflammatory response is going to be uh, minimal as well. So, yeah. So I'm going to tell you, I will spend hours going down rabbit holes studying stuff about the gut. Like to right. me, that is so fascinating. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're saying now like your gut's like your second brain, like all the things that are going on. And I mean, it just like, it will just, con I have to sometimes, I can't even like go near it because if I start going down it, it's right. truly amazing that the things that if you keep your gut healthy, Oh my Absolutely. gosh, it solves so many problems. <laughs> like yeah. even to the yeah. point yeah. where there's studies coming out talking about like anxiety and depression. And honestly, those, um, the supplements you just listed were the same things that were listed in people who had those things. They were low in vitamin D. They were low. They needed to take the fish oil. They needed better gut help. So yeah. when you talk to your clients, like holistically, especially the ones, and I don't know if a lot come in, you know, because of like anxiety and depression i understand that but is there a place in chiropractic care for someone who is struggling with that uh, yeah absolutely um again i don't want to go like too far down this rabbit hole so we talked about the nutrition side of it you know there's studies out there that talk about uh the majority of your body's inflammatory um i guess like re receptors or uh, alarming areas come from the gut so inflammation in the gut leads to a heightened inflammatory response, even in soft tissue. Uh, there's research that shows. But um, I think when it comes to, and I'm sorry, what was the second, the second part of that? Uh, you were saying. Uh, like, is, is there a place for someone who's struggling with anxiety and depression in chiropractic right. care? Yeah. Okay. That's why I have a notepad. I was supposed to jot down something <laughs> if I needed to. Um, so not to go too far down it, right? Uh, but essentially you have your central nervous system your brain your spinal cord you have your peripheral nervous system which is basically everything else and how your body interacts with the world around it uh, you know is this surface smooth or rough or is it hot or cold and that's how it communicates back to your central nervous system and in that peripheral nervous system you have your sympathetic which is your fight or flight mode you always hear that right like fight or flight mm -hmm. or something 
broke out, do I swing or do I run? Like, how do I save my life? When that response happens, your blood vessels constrict, your eyes dilate, you stop processing food in the gut, motility, stop. your body's like, burn what we have right now, save our lives, we'll worry about filling it back up later. Um, and then you have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is pretty much everything else, things like di good digestion, uh, sexual arousal, um, restful sleep. You know, the parasympathetic nervous system has to be in balance with the sympathetic for that to take place. And what we see a lot, especially in children with like ADHD or these high, highly anxious or uh, even sometimes highly depressed is that the nervous system is out of balance. A lot of times with ADHD, that sympathetic nervous system is dominant and there's just highly this anxious feeling all the time because your body's always just running a little bit, a little bit on, on high, you know? So um, that that's kind of how we tie chiropractic in. And to be honest, Becca, I don't go down that path a lot with patients. For us, it's structure, function, mobility, uh, you know, performance and continuing to push those things because usually inflammation is going to be few and far between when we continue to, to function and move well. But certainly when patients are intrigued about that side of it, we, we bring it into play because from, uh, you know, from nutrition to, again, balance in the nervous system, uh, there's, there's a lot of room for natural improvement there. So, so when you, so you, you've said inflammation a lot, um, right. for those, for people who are listening and their first thought is, okay, well, if I break my leg, it swells, that's inflammation. But what yes. type of inflammation are you actually talking about? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I'm saying, think of inflammation as irritation in a way. Uh, so every cell in our body is essentially made up of fatty acids. So fish oil, for example, is a great anti-inflammatory because there's omega-3 fatty acids that you're putting in there that help to support the surface of those cells, right? Um, you, you know, tying it back to COVID, a lot of the time during COVID, uh, I guess let me start here. Inflammation is your body's response to either heal or protect. So if you roll your ankle, it swells up. Your body's essentially saying, let's put a cast on it. Let's swell it up. Let's stiffen it up. Let's lock it up so this thing doesn't move because that wasn't a good that wasn't a good move there. Something just happened, and uh, the same thing with the gut. Your body inflames to things that aren't naturally processed. It it puts up almost this guard, uh, and so sometimes inflammation is a good response, and sometimes we have to make sure that inflammation is not just lingering. And so when it comes to the COVID example, I was going to give you a lot of times during COVID, and again I'm. I can't prescribe anything. I can't even tell anybody to take Tylenol or ibuprofen. But a practical way of thinking it was during COVID, a lot of times people were running fevers. They're telling you to take Tylenol, take Tylenol. Because you don't want to inhibit your body's inflammatory response to COVID because that inflammation is how you build immunity, right? Mm -hmm. So you start taking ibuprofen, which is an NSAID, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. You're limiting your body's inflammatory response with ultimately limits some of your immune response as well. So um, I said inflammation a lot because inflammation can be a good thing, um, but the prolonged inflammatory response is where issue comes in and, and limiting function, so. Now, would you say outside of an injury or something like that, would you say that one of the main reasons people would have chronic inflammation is because of their nutrition? 
Absolutely. Uh, this this day and age, absolutely. Um, you know, the other one would be probably like overuse. Somebody that's maybe doing the same task day in and day out in these repetitive motions where there becomes imbalance in the musculoskeletal system, not just the nervous system, but, the, you know, how how joints are moving and how muscle is in balance. Uh, it's kind of like rotating the tires on your car. You rotate them, you get, you get more life out of them, right? Same thing when joints are moving in proper function. They're going to last longer. They're not going to be as irritable. They're going to perform better. Um, but nutrition is probably number one, to be honest with you. Even if you eat a Mediterranean diet this day and age, a lot of the, the fish you may eat are probably farm-raised. Uh, they're not deep Atlantic yeah. Caught, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, we, we definitely lack vitamin D and omega-3 fish oil like crazy. Even Mediterranean countries are starting to show signs of there being such of a decrease in how much, how good quality omega-3 uh, they have. So, yes. To answer your question shortly, yes, that, that's probably yeah. number one. <laughs> well, and also, you know, talking about nutrition, um, I think we're also seeing an uptick in um, autoimmune diseases. And um, yes. I know nutrition is that that's a, and just to give you an example, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with celiac disease. Well, we also found out last week that my older son cannot consume gluten and right. just removing that from his body. He's told me now he's 10, you know, he's like, I didn't know this was this was how you were supposed to feel. Because for so yep. long, he just didn't feel good. So like, even, even if you eat a healthy diet, which I was and our family was, you know, eat, things like that can cause inflammation um, in that way as well. Um, so one thing I want to speak to, uh, you know, right now, since I just mentioned my son, we're going to go ahead and hop on this in terms of like chiropractic care with children. Um, I will tell you, I am a fan. My first son, when he was four weeks old, had the worst case of um, colic. I took him yep. to a chiropractor and never again, four weeks old. It was perfect. Um, and so I, I am a fan, but I know when I speak to people about it, they're like, well, I don't want them snatching my baby's neck and all this kind of stuff. So, so speak to the importance of chiropractic care in children and also chiropractic care in children with chronic ear infections. Yes. Okay. So for one, uh, warn people to be careful of watching TikTok before they take their child to a chiropractor because yes. uh, there's a lot of people out there obviously wanting some clicks and they want to hear the crunching and cracking and make cool videos. And that's awesome. Um, but it's a totally different approach with, with a child. Uh, I've seen from up to about four days old to I think my oldest patient right now is probably 87. Um, so to be honest with you, we see the biggest results in pediatric and geriatric. A lot of people like you and I who are, uh, let me careful how I say this, we're pushing more towards the middle age years, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we're in these patterns of, of things we do. And a lot of times these patterns have already been going on for 20 years. Uh, you know, certain ways we move, certain ways we sleep, certain ways we work, posture we keep at work. Um, so a lot of times it can take some time for us to respond to get out of these patterns, whereas children have usually a very, very quick response to, to chiropractic care. And to the ear infection side of it, you know, your C1 bone sits right here. My buddy here can maybe demonstrate it. Um, you know, it sits right here by the eardrum. 
by the tympanic membrane of the ear. Um, and so let's be honest, I've never given birth, but I've been there for three of them. And it's a traumatic experience for all. Uh, so from the time a baby's born, whether they, you know, were breached or had to have forceps, there's a lot of pressure that goes into, especially that top bone. And again, they're at a very influenceable age to, to misalignment at that point. So if there's misalignment, there's shift in that top bone and it causes a backup in that fluid and that eardrum is not able to drain into the lymphatic system like it's supposed to. That's where pressure builds up over time. That, you know, that fluid that's there and is stagnant, it's not draining, gets bacteria involved and then infections come. So honestly, ear infections, uh, you know, colic, acid reflux mm -hmm. are some of the things that we are usually fairly effective at, uh, at treating. So. And it's okay. very safe. Again, back to the so that usually when we're adjusting a, a newborn or you know an infant, it's pressure. It's not a, a thrust to make your bone move or to hear a, a pop, if you will. Yeah. It's more of pressure, and that bone kind of reconfigures itself there. So and it's I very think, safe. And I think that that's something that is such a misconception because, like you said, you know, because I mean, I I follow chiropractors, and it's literally like. It, and the crazy thing is, is like you hear the pop and then they have like the graphics where it's like, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, like that's awful. It's so scary. Um, but I mean, I can tell you like both of my children have benefited tremendously um, from chiropractic care. And one thing, so if you have someone, if you have a child who has like repeated ear infections and the doctors, they're, they're literally on antibiotics, they come off of antibiotics, they have another ear infection. Um, the doctors are talking tubes, like at what point would you say, let's try chiropractic here first? Let, let's try this. You've been down this road, but at what point would you say, Let, let's try to do this? Well, I think the thought should be if a child that age, we were just talking about gut health, right? Mm -hmm. If a child that age is continually getting antibiotics, antibiotics do not discriminate between good gut flora and bad gut flora or good bacteria and bad bacteria. They wipe out all bacteria. Some bacteria is absolutely beneficial, especially to children um, as they're growing and starting to try new foods. Uh, there's good bacteria in the gut that is so important, but antibiotics is going to kill all of it. Mm -hmm. My thing is, if you've gone and you're going under a couple rounds of antibiotic, still getting ear infections, I'm not saying neglect going to a medical doctor, but you got to you got to give chiropractic a chance. At the end of the day, you got to get to the root cause. You can keep addressing the symptom all day long. You can keep trying to kill all the bacteria in the body and hope that only the good come back. But ultimately, if there's a structural limitation to how you know the tympanic membrane is, is draining fluid out of the ear there then you're gonna, you're gonna be on a, a hamster yeah. wheel with that you're gonna keep going back to antibiotics and back to antibiotics and then you know long-term antibiotic use is only going to be detrimental to to good gut health so yeah if someone has has experienced long-term antibiotic use how do you recommend they repair their gut first of all probiotics you got to start taking a probiotic asap um not trying to plug health source. We have a really good probiotic. Um, the capsule is actually patented with innate, uh, I think it's innate choice is the, the other supplement company that we use. We label everything in health source products, but um, uh, the capsule is really good at delivering the, the probiotic to the gut before the capsule is dissolved. 
So you're making sure you're getting it to where it needs to go. It's not being processed, you know, through the esophagus and on down. <clears throat> but yeah, every kid, you know, should be taking a probiotic. And it, there's so many good ones out there. You mix in water in a bottle and let them have at it, you know. Um, and some of them, the taste has come a long way these days to me. So, yeah. uh, but absolutely, children need to be taking probiotics. So you see a lot of people. You know, you've seen a lot of people over the past eight years. What would you say if you had to pick like the top three issues that you're constantly seeing come through the door? What what are they and what advice would you give to people to avoid them, to avoid those okay. issues? So, you know, research shows that the average adult or 80 percent of the average adults in this country are going to have about a significant low back pain in one year. So low back pain is probably number one. Um, I would say the most underestimated fix to low back pain is tight hip flexors. Mm. You know, your hip flexors attached. Uh, got my buddy here again. They're attached to the low back right here. They come down to the front of the leg. And what do most people do all day? They're sitting at a desk or at a computer or driving a vehicle. So when you're sitting, that muscle's in a contracted state. You go to stand up, what pulls into that low back, those low back muscles fire and just feed off of those hip flexors being tight. So um, low back pain, definitely number one. I'd say number two, I know I'm going straight through the spine here, but neck pain, mm-hmm. particularly with the neck, just a tension-based pain, which leads to a lot of tension headaches. And again, um, you know, we're sitting at a desk, a lot of times we're like this, right? These muscles mm-hmm. are right under the basic skull. We're letting our head get way ahead of our shoulders. It's kind of like holding a bowling ball. You know, the bowling ball right here might not be so heavy. You hold it here and it feels a little heavier, right? And even though it's not heavy to sit forward like this, it is exponential how much these muscles are having to do to keep balance and keep us upright. So um, those are definitely number two. And for the third one, I'm going to throw out a couple of different things that we see that people probably don't think about chiropractic with. Vertigo is something, especially this time of year, I haven't done research or read research on it, but I think something with this season change, hurricane season, pressure fronts, people start getting a lot of this pressure in their heads, sinus pressure, um, and we start getting a ton of vertigo coming through our door. Um, A lot of times it comes back to that C1 bone. Again, there's pressure up at the upper cervical area. Um, And so that's one that kind of outside the box, not one of the top three, I would say, but definitely something that we uh, are pretty effective with. And then one more I'll throw in there is sciatica. You hear sciatica all the time. I can tell you nine times out of 10, anybody over the age of 30 that comes in with sciatica is probably having a disc issue. Mm. So disc herniation, disc bulge, and sometimes it's just an irritated disc. It's inflamed, it's taking up space, it's catching that nerve a little bit. Your body's reacting to it by spasming and trying to protect it. So um, yeah, I'd say sciatica, low back pain, neck pain, the top three. But uh, definitely see a lot of vertigo this time of year, too. So for the person or teenager who's like this all day long, your head's down, you're on your phone. Is there a way, is there something that you can do preventatively? So you would do, so someone would come, they would get an adjustment. But is there a way for you to, because, you know, when your body's in one position all day, it messes up your muscles, right? So would you recommend taking time to hold your head back for a little bit during the day? Or what would be the fix for that for people whose head is down? 
Yeah, that's a great question because technology is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're only going to see more and more and more kids at younger and younger and younger ages in this position. Yep. Um, so one, I think being conscious of it's half the battle, like knowing that you're spending that much time that you are in that type of position. Uh, and then two, trying to do the opposite, <laughs> get yeah. into some extension, you know, take the thumbs back, uh, open up the chest, lean back. I call it the double chin, you know, mm-hmm. pushing the chin straight in, make that good double chin there. I'm going to keep it hidden from y'all. Um, but, you know, when you do that, you really, you stretch a lot of these muscles back here that are oftentimes like this or like this. Um, and then the other thing that I think is the most practical way to make a big dent in how much time we spend in flexion would be a good, like, orthopedic pillow. If you can get a good, you get six, seven, eight, nine hours, uh, especially kids. I mean, if they're sleeping nine hours, you get good extension in there and they can sleep on their back. It's going to be the only realistic way you're going to counteract the time you spend in flexion. If you can, you can sleep in ideal posture is going to go a long way for that. So, yeah. I think I have the worst sleep posture because when I wake up, I feel like I've been beat with a bat and I know it's cause it's how I sleep. Like it's, and I don't, I don't really know. I may need to get a pillow because that is, that is something where, when I get up in the morning, I can just tell by the way my head was and all this. Like, so that is so true. Like how you sleep, cause you're like that for hours at a time, oftentimes not moving. And so that can cause a lot of issues. And I'm glad you said the thing about, um, um, oh shoot. What was the thing you said about the, not Luke? No, you didn't say lupus. What did, did you say lupus? No, I was, Okay. So I'm glad you said that because I'm sorry. It just like left me. Um, because I had a deep tissue massage and got vertigo from it. It was horrible. So I did not know that that was something that chiropractic care could do. So I will definitely remember that. Um, so let me ask you something. So in terms of, you know, if you have someone who's like, I'm good, like I'm not hurting my body's good why should they still come to you so uh, that's a good question and you know the classic if it ain't broke don't fix it Mm -hmm. i totally get it um again i think the key with that type of person is don't wait on pain before you you look for dysfunction and Again, as a chiropractor, and I use this a lot when I'm talking to somebody that's facing going under surgery, you know, if you come to me as a chiropractor, truth be told, I'm probably going to find somewhere that I can adjust you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's probably going to be, and the same token, if you go to a surgeon, it's what they do. They're going to, they're going to probably find a way. Yeah, we could probably do surgery on that, you know? Um, so to the people that feel good, I would say it, it never hurts to just get a good functional movement screening. Let, you know, let us check out how you're doing squats or how your uh, posture looks or even sometimes just we don't x-ray just to x-ray. I'm big on taking x-ray and and most people that come in here before I'm adjusting them, I'm going to take an x-ray. But even sometimes just getting x-ray to understand how some of the postural curves in your spine look, how your disc space are holding up. Because from about age 30 on, we're starting to rank on that wear and tear scale. You know, we start showing signs of degenerative change and always joke around. I think wear and tear sounds cooler than degenerative. That sounds, sounds terrible. Like, um, (laughs) but we're we're all facing it, right? We're all heading that way. We're all going to live long enough. We're all going to have degenerative disc disease. We're all going to have osteoporosis. 
So it's never too early to start thinking about ways to just to keep that process at bay, to not wait to have bone on bone arthritis, whether it yeah. hurt or not, but to do something to promote a healthy disc. Yeah. So, and I know that you are limited on your time, but I do want to ask a few more questions. Um, as we're aging, um, what are things that people can do to age well? Like, I mean, obviously some of the things that you just said would definitely be part of the list, but what is a right. holistic approach that someone can take and even adding in like daily activities to, right. or, or whatever daily habits to be able to age well. Right. All right. Well, I can't go into the more sophisticated answer until I hit the, the common sense ones, drink water, mm. movement is life. Go for a walk, you know, uh, especially in females, some light weight bearing activity. Females are usually the earlier onset of osteoporosis. So, you know, drinking water, calcium, magnesium, light weight bearing exercises, how you keep bones and joints strong and healthy. Um, but then from what we offer, a lot of our maintenance and wellness patients, we're, we're keeping them adjusted. So again, we're keeping joints in good, proper function. Uh, again, like rotating the tires on the car, right? Um, so when those joints are moving the way they're supposed to move and the, the planes of motion they're supposed to move in and they're bearing weight the way they're designed to bear weight, then you're going to get more life out of those joints. And then finally, one of the things that we're real big on here in our office, we have spinal decompression, which is for somebody that has like an active herniated disc or bulging disc. But there's also a proactive side to that too, of being able to open up those disc space and get some fluid to the disc. Mm -hmm. um, and then our traction therapy, which is kind of the same thing. Traction means, you know, to kind of stretch out, right? So when you can get fluid to disc and traction out those joints and those discs, you keep fluid there, you keep those joints from having pressure that's not designed to be there. And it's a really good proactive tool that we, most of our maintenance patients, when they've already maybe come in for an issue and we're, you know, keeping them once a month, we're just keeping things in check. Usually traction is what we're going to recommend that we do to, to be proactive. So if there's someone who lives in a rural community, they don't have access to a chiropractor and it's too far for them to go and they're like, this is great information. Like, I want to be better. I want to do that. What 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 is your advice to them? I mean, obviously coming into you and, and y'all adjusting them would be the best option. But if that is not something that they can do, what is your advice to them to you know, age gracefully and do all the things without being able to come to you? Yeah. So that's a good question. Obviously, chiro means by hand. So chiropractic is a hands-on thing. So, um, you know, for me to be able to help my full potential, I need somebody in my office. But I would say the idea would be, um, you know, even if you reached out to our office, we could get you the right stretches or the right YouTube channels that we know are going to give you the good information and not just kind of blowing hot air everywhere. Um, but again, I think it comes back to, mm -hmm. you got to take the nutrition and an anti-inflammatory type of diet and then movement and then keep moving. Um, and I think that is the best thing you can do, but certainly if pain arises, um, you know, even I tell people all the time, even if you can make a trip to me, I, you know, a lot of people in Barn will, will come up to see me and I realize they can't come as often as they maybe need to, to really get the benefit of what we're trying to do. But even if you come up here and let us check it out, we can at least put you on the right path of like, Hey, 
do this, these stretches are recommended, and kind of let them take it and run with it. But that's a good question. It's kind of difficult um, to for me to to do my best work for them, but I'm always I'm always here to help and, and point them to the right resource or right people if if I can. So. And that's, that's totally understandable. You know, I mean, obviously it's your, your gift and what you're doing. You have to actually touch the patient. You have to be able to do that. So, so 100%. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if we could, you know, if you could sum up, which you pretty much just did, but, um, I know you, you've got to go, but if you could just kind of sum up, um, just like a circle of advice, like, if I can, if you could leave your the listeners with one or two things, what do you want them to take away from this podcast? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, obviously, that I feel very strongly that what we do as chiropractors is a very safe portal of entry. Um, we're going to take an X-ray, and a lot of it is probably something that we can get under control for you, but a lot of good chiropractors will know where to get you next. If, and, and I tell every patient, if I can help you, I'm going to tell you. And if I can't help you, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm going to get you to where you need to go. And so the biggest thing I would say is I wish chiropractor reviewed as more of a first stop. Yeah. Like, let us check you out. If we can't do it, then we're going to tell you, we need to get you to your medical doctor, go back to your primary care. We can refer you to an orthopedic. We can refer you for an MRI. And I think a lot of people just view chiropractic as you come in, you lay down, they crack your back, you're gone. Um, and that's, that's just not, it's evolved a lot from a lot of the old school chiropractic mentality. And, uh, again, as far as our health source clinics, we pride ourselves on diagnosing you. And we if we can't get to a pretty solid diagnosis, we're going to be getting you somewhere else too. So, and then finally it's safe mm-hmm. and we, you know, uh, knock on wood, we, we haven't had any issues with any adjusting any patients in our office, um, and, and like I said, I think research and what we pay in insurance speaks for itself on uh, the, the safety of chiropractic, too. And I did not know that about the insurance. I had no idea. And honestly, like to me, even if I had never been to a chiropractor before, like that would sell me like that. That that is mind blowing to me that what you pay compared to what medical doctors pay. And there's reasons for that. When that was presented to me, it blew my mind. I was like, I thought I thought our malpractice was fairly cheap, you know, but, um, you know, the comparison from one to another is is night and day. And again, insurance is always backed by research and data. Mm-hmm. Right. So it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Well, Joel, thank you. Thank you so much for today. You you have given a plethora of information, not just about chiropractic care, but just overall health. And um, I really am excited for the listeners to hear from you. I, I just think this has been wonderful and we will probably have to do it again because there's other questions uh, that I want to ask. So <laughs> We could go, I get a little long-winded sometimes. We could we could definitely do it again. But uh, no, I'm super proud of you and you know, thank the world of you and Josh. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you, Becca.